Happiness can be found in the darkest of times, if one only remembers to stay six feet apart, wash your hands frequently, and avoid touching your face. You're listening to the Quibbler Podcast, the Harry Potter book club for the quarantined. That brings us to the end of another Potter Watch. Keep each other safe. Keep faith. Good night. The radio's dial twirled and the lights behind the tuning panel went out. Harry, Ron and Hermione were still beaming. Hearing familiar friendly voices was an extraordinary tonic. Harry had become so used to their isolation, he had nearly forgotten that other people were resisting Voldemort. It was like waking from a long sleep. I'm Heather Price Wright. And I'm Alex Dallenberg. And we're quarantined. Sort of. We're in Phoenix with my family. We're social distancing. Yeah. We're not really leaving our house except to go on walks that nobody else is nearby on besides some dogs. We were here for a wedding before everything went upside down and just decided to stay. Also, the wedding didn't happen, yeah, the wedding obviously. Didn't happen, which um, sucked, but yeah, it will happen really eventually. Sad. Yes, because things will someday be okay. Maybe. Not for Harry Potter anytime soon. <laughs> this week we are reading the chapter called The Deathly Hallows, which um, is the title of the book. So that's cool. In this podcast, as usual, you will hear spoilers, cursing, and us trying our best to be helpful and normal and not talk about the fact that it feels like the apocalypse. So yeah, I mean, everybody knows what the fuck is going on. Everything's a mess. And we're going to try to actually just talk about Harry Potter mostly and not obsess because I have found that the podcasts I'm listening to right now are the ones that don't talk about coronavirus that much. So that's the last time I'm going to say that fucking word. You will also hear some adult themes. This week's adult themes are, fittingly, social distancing, talk radio, aliases, manic episodes, and black excellence. Alex, my love, let's do this. What happened this week? In this week's chapters, the trio have just escaped the Death Eaters at Xenophilius Love Goods. Hermione is scrambling to put up protective charms and eventually the tent at some point. I don't actually remember when they put up the tent. I do not think that part matters. Yeah. <laughs> That's like talking about Hermione reaching into her bag for nine full minutes. I was skimming around being like, when do they put the tent up? But it just seems like it happens like... Do you know how screen? literature works? That sometimes I know, they don't actually yeah, yeah. describe the I very minute by minute Anyway, occurrence. Hermione is putting up protected charms. Harry and Ron are exclaiming over Hermione's brilliance and saying, what would we do without you? Which fair? Is this like really the first time in the book she gets her due? Kind of, yeah. It's like, you're amazing. We would be dead without you. Yep. So, I mean, that's fucking accurate. Uh, The trio continue to debate the historicity of the Deathly Hallows. Is historicity a word? Yeah. Oh. I think so. I don't know if I pronounced it right. It's one of those words that I've read, but I don't think I've ever used out loud. Like when I used to think it was homage. I used I used to thought think clergy was clergy. And my <laughs> clergy mom, is a funny word. My mom laughed really hard because I said that like my uncle's a member of the clergy. <laughs> it sounds like is. corgi. Yeah. <laughs> okay, sorry, go on. So okay, the veracity of the Deathly Hallows. Harry remembers Marbolo Gaunt saying he was descended from the Peverils. Ignotus Peveril, you might recall, had something to do with the Deathly Hallows. <laughs> Ign- 
It was that the was hallows the... were on his gravestone. Yeah, yeah. And in he was Godric Mabes. Hallows. Ignotus was Mabes, the youngest brother. The, the cloak brother. The one that doesn't, the one that builds this fucking house out of bricks or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> We should have talked about how it is both the partner's tale and, and the, the three, three little and pigs. And the three little pigs. Rad. Okay. Um, you know, there's always three brothers and two of them are just fucking wastrels. <laughs> so, yeah. Harry remembers Marvola Gaunt brandishing, saying he was descended from the Peverils and brandishing the ring, which he says has the Peveril family crest on it. Uh, we don't actually know what that looked like now because it got blown up by Dumbledore. Uh, well, destroyed by Dumbledore with the, with the sword. They think maybe it had the sign of the Deathly Hallows on the ring, but who knows? No, they don't think. Fucking Harry becomes Harry manically thinks, yeah. convinced. Harry becomes... With in- no evidence. Yeah. <laughs> Harry's immediately like ancient aliens obsessed with the Deathly Hallows. To be fair, I actually think he's right. But as we have said literally 100 times so far this book, I don't fucking remember. I don't remember what happens in this book. He's mostly right. Um, Except that it's about to get real, real, real bad. Hermione says that the Peverils are an ancient wizarding family that's gone extinct in the male line because she got on, like, wizardingancestry.com or whatever with a two-week trial. Um, (laughs) Which which is something I've actually done on quarantine. Uh, Not wizarding ancestry, just basic muggleancestry.com. Uh, people used to have a lot more kids. More than three brothers. If this was historically <laughs> accurate, it would have been like the tale of the 18 brothers. <laughs> Most of, of whom, whom died, died in childhood. childhood. Yeah, in childhood. Uh, Harry theorizes that Marvolo Gaunt's ring contained the resurrection stone or like... Is the, the, stone the resurrection was like stone? The main stone in the ring. Anyway, he figures that the ring had the resurrection stone in it. And that Voldemort inadvertently turned it into a horcrux because he didn't read, like, kids' stories. Hermione accuses Harry of just trying to fit everything into, into the Hollow's story. Harry says it all fits of his own accord. He's, like, pacing around and just feeling very elevated. Harry's mind is racing. He thinks that the Hollows might be the key to defeating Voldemort because, of course, if you've got the Hollows, you can't use the Hollows. The Hollows. You are the master of death. So Harry's thinking Hallows greater than Horcruxes. Just imagine the little... Uh, the alligator sign? The alligator sign. They can see what you're Chomping doing. the bigger numbers. <laughs> is that how you learned That's it? That's how I learned it, I learned yeah. it too. The alligator is wants to eat the big numbers always. Yep. So more and more convinced, Harry speculates... Actually, Harry's pretty fucking convinced that his invisibility cloak must be a hallow because of the way that Xenophilius described it. And that's why, so Harry thinks that's why Dumbledore had it the night his parents were killed. He wanted to examine it. And he figured, he also thinks that Ignotus Peverell must be his ancestor. Harry also speculates, if I said speculate too many times, probably. I don't know, I don't remember. Harry also thinks, let's use a different verb. Harry also posits that the (laughs) ring... Go ahead, sorry. I like that verb. Harry also posits that the ring with the resurrection stone, or maybe just the resurrection stone itself, is in the snitch. So he like puts it in his mouth in a later at night. Okay. He's like kissing it. Like he's in the time of COVID, the image of him putting this like fucking dirty ass snitch in his mouth is like 
deeply disturbing. Actually, I have my- It's like the scariest part of the chapter. I had my first COVID nightmare two nights ago. I dreamt we were all at a restaurant and everybody was just way too close together. <laughs> like, you know, we had there were like communal tables and we had like a seat and this other family came up and they were like, can we sit here? And I was like, no, it's irresponsible. Okay, so, well, but we were at a restaurant, so we were irresponsible. We were at a, and I was also feeling like really anxious about that, but for some reason we like had to go. I, I had a dream know. about Gossip Girl last night. That's a way cooler dream. <laughs> go on. So Harry... <clears throat> oh no. <laughs> I coughed. <laughs> Christ almighty. So, okay. Wow, I want to touch my face so badly. Hang on. Popsicle okay. sticks. You need a popsicle stick. I know. That's the best way. Thing in here. Okay. A sterile popsicle stick. You can't sterilize a popsicle yeah, stick. Yeah, if you put hand, hand sanitizer, sanitizer on your popsicle on your stick. Popsicle stick, which actually is your method lately. Yeah. Alex, we're never going to okay. get through this fucking episode. So, we're not even that. We're only 11 minutes in. Okay. Harry also spe- Nope, I already said that. Um, <laughs> Harry thinks to himself that he's just one hallow short, and then he realizes, oh no, oh shit, oh fuck, Voldemort is after the ba 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 motherfucking Elder Wand. Wow, we are just yelling in my parents' house. Well, we warned people that this would happen. True. Also, your sister and her boyfriend are like doing their like weird calisthenics out back, so they're not even inside. Fair enough. Your dad might be working on something, but them's the breaks. This is family togetherness. Um, Sorry, I interrupted your butt 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 motherfucking, so you have to do it again, I guess. Voldemort is after the butt 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 motherfucking Elder Wand. Oh no. So, <laughs> oh no. As I mentioned before, Harry figures that Lovo didn't grow up with magic folk tales, which is why he accidentally turned a Deathly Hallow into a Horcrux. I don't remember if that ends up being true, but he surely would have known about the Elder Wand, the bloody trail of which is, quote, splattered across the pages of Wizarding History. Okay, can I stop you for a second? Because this line drove me nuts. There are very few wizarding deaths that involve blood even a little. That is an anachronistic way to describe the Elder Wand because nobody ever bleeds except for Sectumsempra and that freaks everybody the fuck out. Avada Kedavra is not bloody. Wizards it's, ain't cut time to bleed. I mean, no, they just fucking die. They just die. Bloody Elder Wand, not a thing. There's no blood, yeah, but... it should be like the trail of witches... Green light? Yeah, just I don't know. murdering people. A trail of green light reflected across the pages of wizard history. I don't that know. That makes me yeah, think of the right. end of The Great Gatsby. <laughs> we actually had a Great Gatsby uh, cold open. I remember. Yeah, that. this is a highly literary podcast. <laughs> Everybody um, read that in high school. It's because I feel insecure about reading other books, so I want to show people that I have read other books. I think that's even in my Twitter bio, so I don't know. Hermione says Harry's got it all wrong. Ron sort of agrees. He says, dude, we should be hunting Horcruxes like one quest at a time. Harry says it's exactly the kind of batshit plan that Dumbledore would have hatched, and he always let me figure stuff out on my own. This feels like another Dumbledore plot. Um, so Harry is now a fully committed Hallow's believer, and as time passes, he gets more and more frustrated with Ron and Hermione's Horcrux obsession. 
He says they're obsessed with the Horcruxes. They get pissed at him for that. Yeah. Rightly so. he's obsessed with the Hallows. I know. He's kind of losing it. But aren't yeah. we all? Meanwhile, the Hallows are like, oh my god, why are you so obsessed with me? <laughs> That's um, terrible. It's not even a joke, but... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway. Harry, I guess, to pass the time, because what is this book not about, if not social isolation they've been social distancing for most of this book uh to pass the time harry tries to see into lovo's mind but the visions are blurred so you know life goes on one night ron is tinkering with the radio when he manages to guess the password to potter watch which is the underground anti-voldemort show the password was albus seems pretty fucking obvious like you could have guessed that one should have been an alphanumeric code a strong like, password a strong password yeah, that's terrible password security. That it's fucking that's five letters and it's someone you know. Anyone could have guessed that. Potter Watch is hosted by Lee Jordan, who's going by the codename River. Lee reports the murders of Dirk Cresswell and the goblin Gronkowski, or whatever the fuck his <laughs> name was. Um The other we learned that the other goblin they were traveling and with And Ted Tonks. Oh, Ted Tonks also died. I forgot Ted Tonks. Yeah, that's wow. really sad. Fuck me. Ted Tonks also was murdered by Death Eaters. The other goblin they were traveling with and Dean Thomas escaped and Dean's family is hoping for any news of him. A muggle family was also murdered. Lee also reports on Bathilda's death and there is a moment of silence. Listening to the radio, Harry feels connected to the outside world for the first time in a long time. Kingsley Shacklebolt comes on, going by the codename Royal. He reports that Muggle attacks have increased, but Muggles are unaware of the cause of their suffering. He asks wizards to cast protective charms over their neighbors, and Lee asks Kingsley what he would say to the idea that in these dangerous times, shouldn't it be wizards first? Kingsley answered, I'd say that's one step short from wizards first, to purebloods first, and then to death eaters. We're all human, aren't we? Every human life is worth the same and worth saving. Uh, and that's a direct God quote. God bless Kingsley Shacklebolt. Uh, the next feature... That is the quote that everybody should talk about instead of the fucking turn on the light quote. Which isn't even in the books. And you don't need to turn on the light. You have a wand. Yeah. You well, I guess to... that's turning it on, but whatever. Well, whatever. Yeah. That's a better quote. The anyway. next... Before transitioning, the next sec... Uh, Lee says the next segment is a popular... Our popular feature, Pals of Potter. But before we move into that, are you tired of paying too much for mattresses? Uh, <laughs> Casper Mattress, not a sponsor. Brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Nobody sponsors this podcast except us and our nice parents giving us somewhere to stay. I was more thinking it'd be funny if Lee Jordan, if Potter Watch was sponsored by Casper Mattresses. I I understood the joke. (laughs) I just wanted to clarify that we were not doing an ad for Casper. Or, or It's fitting because there's ghosts. Or Lee Jordan's like... Trying to escape the Death Eaters? Charge your devices at the same time with an away suitcase. Simply safe security systems. Simply safe, yeah. (laughs) With additional Death Eater protective charms. Uh, Anyway, the next segment features Remus Lupin, who's going by the codename Romulus. Jesus. Come on, man. (laughs) That's a a little much, friend. (laughs) Wolf, Wolf, Wolfies, and Wolf. Other Wolf, McWolf. Uh, oh, I guess those are the twins that suckle at a wolf. Yeah, but they're still. not wolves. They're okay. just but wolf they're adjacent. Like wolf baby. They're human. raised by wolves. Yeah, go on. 
I don't know. Then Romulus goes on to found the city of Rome. I know. So if Remus had won that whole, like, It would be called Reem. Reem. It would be called Reem. <laughs> <laughs> the ancient Reman Empire. It's not funny at all. I like that the Remus Romulus story, it's fucking crazy to not crazy. Try not to say crazy. The Remus and Romulus story, Romulus gets so pissed at Remus, or I don't know, one gets pissed at the other, because one of them like jumps over a fence that one of them built. What? And that's like what pisses them off. Oh, I don't know that part of yeah. the story. One of the brothers like builds a fence and one of the other ones jumps oh Remus, I think, jumps over the fence to be like, haha, like fuck you, your fence sucks. And then Romulus kills Remus and it says like thus. My thus fence suffers, is good. Thus suffers whoever, like, crosses my walls or whatever. Ugh. So, anyway. Wow. I probably just butchered the uh, story of Remus and Romulus. So, also, spoilers for Roman mythology. Okay. Romulus comes on. We're making fun of his name. What does he say? Oh, he just says, Harry is definitely alive. Otherwise, the Death Eaters would have publicized it. And he says, Harry, if you're listening... Trust your instincts. They're usually good. Harry then feels bad about yelling at Remus about being a deadbeat dad, which he's not anymore. We learned from Ron at some point that Remus went back to uh, Tonks. Thank God. And uh, yeah, he's a family man again. We also learned that Xenophilius has been imprisoned, and we learned that Hagrid was nearly arrested for hosting a support Harry Potter party in his house, but he escaped with some help from his little big bro. Lupin advises people not to do this and to keep up their social distancing. <laughs> no more support Harry Potter parties. Uh, Fred or George is on next. I think it's Fred. They think it's Fred. He's going by the codename Rapier. He reports that there have been a lot of you-know-who sightings everywhere and lots of panic. It seems, though, like Lovo is out of the country, but... Fred advises everyone not to get lulled into a false sense of security. That's the end of the show. Lee signs off. He says the next password will be Mad-Eye, which is another easy-to-guess password, but whatever. Uh, You'd think they would have used these passwords already. What were they using before? They'd be doing this for, like, months. Yeah. Maybe they're using other, like, obvious passwords, like Harry, Ron, Hermione... Horcrux. Nope. Nobody knows about those. Nobody knows about them. So the radio turns off. Harry is filled like harry's feeling extremely revived he'd forgotten that other people were out there resisting voldemort as well uh harry also says i knew it lobo's abroad he's seeking the elder wand admitted hermione voldemort's after the elder wand so harry has broken the bup bup motherfucking taboo all of a sudden a shit ton of death eaters like apparate outside the tent Ron hits the lights with his deluminator, and the Death Eaters say, Come out with your hands up. We don't care who we curse. So Harry fucked up real bad, and that's what happens in this week's chapters. It is a funny moment when they're like, uh, Hermione, you're a genius. And I feel like Hermione's like, yeah, you guys, we would be so fucked, literally like chapter by chapter, if I didn't do all of the things I do. And finally, 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 Harry and Ron are like, uh-huh, that's true. But we talked about this a bit last episode, but I do, I mean, we should circle back just to the fact that this is really Hermione's, like, kind of key character flaw. I never heard such a lot of nonsense in all my life. Hang on, though, said Ron. The Chamber of Secrets was supposed to be a myth, wasn't it? 
But the Deathly Hallows can't exist, Ron. You keep saying that, but one of them can, said Ron. Harry's invisibility cloak. The tale of the three brothers is a story, said Hermione firmly. A story about how humans are frightened of death. If surviving was as simple as hiding under the invisibility cloak, we'd have everything we need already. I don't know. We could do with an unbeatable wand, said Harry, turning the blackthorn wand he so disliked over in his fingers. There's no such thing, Harry. You said there have been loads of wands, the death stick and whatever they were called. All right. Even if you want to kid yourself the Elder One's real, what about the Resurrection Stone? Her fingers sketched quotation marks around the name, and her tone dripped sarcasm. No magic can raise the dead, and that's that. Being a skeptic, I think, is fine. I feel like I identify as more skeptical than not. But she's really reliant on sort of like expertise without being able to kind of evaluate ideas that are outside of the kind of like trusted sources that she relies on. So in some ways, like she has very good research skills. She's really good at the library. But if something isn't in a book that she trusts, kind of to like automatically assume there's no way it's true feels a little bit just like a kind of limit of imagination, especially considering none of the things that have happened in her life in the past seven years make any sense in the context of her life up until age 12. Well, yeah, Ron says, yo, wasn't the Chamber of Secrets supposed to be a myth? Yeah. It was super real. There was literally like a secret passage in a bathroom The Sorcerer's Stone, too. All this stuff is like not supposed to exist and then it exists and it's sort of like Hermione's pattern. Um, and she got she got frozen by the basilisk, so she is especially aware that shit that you are not supposed to believe in is super duper real. So I don't know. I mean, we can cut her some slack, but I do think she she's really, really smart, and I think she over-intellectualizes things, and I do think she is over-reliant on kind of like the sheen of expertise. Because hmm. like shit that isn't in books like sort of doesn't count to her. And I'm like, I love and trust books, but I don't know. I guess Harry is also being kind of like full-blown, like you said, ancient aliens conspiracy theorist. I mean, just a little bit. He's like gone, the, he's he's totally on the Dan Brown like path at this moment. Yeah, well, in the Dan Brown novel, all that shit turns out to be true too. <laughs> um, but he is actually, I feel like he's using some critical thinking skills here. He's like... He's actually pr- gotten pretty good at interpreting Dumbledore's kind of like batshit non-instructions. He's like, I don't know, there's a snitch with something in it. Also, I just learned about the Resurrection Stone. Doesn't it seem very Voldemortish to put the stone in the snitch? Dumbledore-ish. Uh, very, ugh, I said the taboo. Very Dumbledore-ish to put the stone in the snitch. And he's totally right. So he's evaluating events uh, pretty with pretty clear eyes. Full hearts, can't lose. <laughs> So anyway, I just, this is the one sort of piece of Hermione. I love Hermione, but I struggle with this aspect of her personality a little bit. But everybody has to have a flaw. So like, do you, girl. Read a book. Her flaws knowing too much all the time. She's got great like job interview flaw here. She's like, my flaws, I'm just like, I have too much information in my head. I'm too smart. <laughs> yeah. I care too much. Her flaw really is a certain lack of imagination and creativity, though. Yeah, it's more the imagination. It's less, because she can critically evaluate 
texts. She's proven that. Yeah, no, she's she's, she's like, a good critical thinker, but she she lacks imagination. She's like, all right, sort the, of half-blood, key moments. the half-blood prince, he seems like pretty sketchy. Uh, maybe history, maybe Hogwarts history should have mentioned House Elves somewhere in there. But uh, yeah, when it comes to this kind of... She's less of, she's not very, she's not like a literary thinker, I guess. She's no. more like. Well, to be fair, there's, like we said, there's no, there's no art in the wizarding world. <laughs> they get the first fictional, like fictionalized story in the Deathly Hallows and it totally throws them. So what are you going to do? <laughs> it's true. Um, let's talk a little bit about Harry's kind of Hallows mania because it's a, it's an interesting Harry moment. It's certainly the most energetic he's been in a really long time and the most psyched. And so, so in some ways you just kind of understand that he wants to be excited about something. I mean, that's I not, feel like... That's not searching for the Horcruxes. They've kind of hit this dead end on the Horcruxes. Well, also just, you know, obviously this is like maybe not a great example, but I do feel like right now in our sort of like overly like distant and like mediated times, I'm more stoked when I find something I at least vaguely like or I'm interested in than I would be if I could like go out more so I don't know it's just kind of they're experiencing a strange kind of like deprivation like not only Mm. sort of deprivation of like contact and fucking food but sort of of like things to think about like it's nice to have a new thing to think about yeah that makes sense yeah to me, this is Harry kind of procrastinating on the Horcruxes. That too. He's like, boy, cleaning my cleaning every room in the house, that sounds like an awesome thing I should be doing right now instead of like writing his term paper or whatever. <laughs> yeah. It is also, you know, one thing that Harry lacks or, or understands himself to lack is like sort of a heritage within the Wizarding World. Mm. We don't go back back before Harry's parents very often and not nobody has ever really told him the story of his like his ancestry and so he does have this moment where he kind of gloms on to the idea which again I think ends up being the correct idea that he is a Peveril descendant and I think I understand Harry wanting to grasp at the possibility that he has a like a a wizarding ancestry that connects him to history in a meaningful way. I mean, we all want to do that. You did that the other day. You were like, oh, I have people that died in the Spanish flu. Like, you know. I did. So, I mean, that's obviously very sad, but it also just makes us feel like life goes on after weird shit goes down. Intense. Yes. Shit. He's also, you're right. He also just like fucking wants a shortcut. He's like, I could find one more thing or I could find six more things. Do the math. Little alligator mouth. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hacks. <laughs> Hallows Hacks? I don't know. Uh, well, you relate to this kind of mania. I do. Harry discovering the Hallows is like when I discovered like getting things done or something like that. I'm I feel like, like, wow, I'm going to be so much more effective at everything. And then just like <laughs> pacing around the room being like, okay, I'm going to make my, I got to get my inbox set up. I need like... To sort all my tasks into contexts, so your productivity mania is actually extremely strange. It's periodic. It's because I was a total fuck up for like most of my college career. So now I'm like, I won't disagree with that. Yeah. <laughs> I now we I'm had like a shared Uber. we had a shared nine a.m. class that I went to about ninety five percent of, and you went to about thirty five percent of. But I'm reformed now. You are. You are. Um. Okay. The most interesting part, I think of this 
chapter, and I know you agree, is the fucking radio. Yeah. This chapter landed really powerfully for me. Silence fell, and Harry, Ron, and Hermione did not speak. Half of Harry yearned to hear more. Half of him was afraid of what might come next. It was the first time he had felt fully connected to the outside world for a long time. Thank you, said Lee's voice. And now we turn to regular contributor Royal for an update on how the new wizarding order is affecting the muggle world. Thanks, River, said an unmistakable voice, deep, measured, reassuring. Kingsley, burst out Ron. We know, said Hermione, hushing him. Muggles remain ignorant of the source of their suffering as they continue to sustain heavy casualties, said Kingsley. However, we continue to hear truly inspirational stories of wizards and witches risking their own safety to protect muggle friends and neighbors, often without the muggles' knowledge. I'd like to appeal to all our listeners to emulate their example, perhaps by casting a protective charm over any muggle dwellings in your street. Many lives could be saved if such simple measures are taken. Even before everything went upside down with every before everything went haywire with in the US with the pandemic. Uh because I related to this chapter for obvious reasons, just as a someone who makes audio, but also as a consumer of audio. I think JK Rowling really gets at the power of audio to and radio in particular to connect us across great distances at times when we're feeling really isolated. I remember being really depressed right after high school, like unable to sleep for days on end. And just the only thing I could do was listen to sports radio. And I wasn't even really a sports fan at the time, but it was just sitting with someone and listening to them talk. And that was really like, a tonic for me. I actually do think we've gotten in a lot of ways in kind of the 21st century, I guess, primarily a lot more text-based. And this particular moment is reminding me of the power of voices in like a very basic way. I am listening and re-listening to podcasts that I really like and audiobooks where the voices just make me feel like I have company. So I think there's a difference between sort of getting like, if they gotten an owl from Lee Jordan, that I'm sure would have been lovely and, and felt really good to have some kind of like communication from the outside. But something about, and Lee's voice specifically, I think it, I loved it's Lee Jordan, first of all, because he's just... He's just a broadcast hero. Um, and this is like really his calling. Like he has, by my understanding, I, I just like to imagine him having one of those voices for radio. Because, you know, he was the announcer. So it also connects them to a time when his voice was, yeah, like a source of joy and excitement and mm-hmm. and sort of a different kind of meaning. But I do agree, I think. And I really actually don't mean this to be like tooting our own horn because obviously like the main act of creativity we make for other people is is audio is our fucking voices but I think one of the reasons we decided to do this in the first place is because yeah for both of us this is a medium that proves 
to provide a lot of sukkah and connection. So, but the other thing that this for me did is made me feel real gratitude for like trustworthy news. Yeah. Like we, you know, our media landscape is like fractured and complicated, but I trust a fair amount of the reporting that comes out of the sort of like I mean, you're broader. Tr- you have your trusted sources. Yeah, I yeah. do. Um, a, I have my trusted sources and B, I don't think that I am primarily subjected to extremely autocratic state media. <laughs> as hard as they're trying right now to make that the case. So I just, I guess what I mean is like resistance news is a really valuable source of information here. And yeah, I mean, I think she's tapping into a, a broader sort of resistance news and media history. And noticing that this is a particular brave act within this landscape like you know what harry is doing is kind of the crux of the matter but also harry's like sitting in a tent (laughs) kind of like trying to figure out where a variety of objects are as though playing fucking i spy or some shit no harry's doing important work but i do Lee Jordan is doing something really, really dangerous and hard. And, you know, we had that with Xenophilius Lovegood, too. Like, putting out good information that, like, is trackable by the bad guys is really fucking dangerous. Like, they're on the move all the time. They had to go off the air for a while because, you know, for fear of getting um, killed, of, of getting shut down and murdered. I also do, I mean, I don't know if we can really linger here because I'm not sure... I mean, obviously, like, race has, like, different meaning, both in J.K. Rowling's context, just, like, nationally and also in the Wizarding World. But I think it's notable that two of, like, six black characters in the entire series are, like, out here doing this particular act of, like, very extremely dangerous, like, help. And Kingsley is the voice of intersectionality here, kind Mm -hmm. of. You know, Kingsley is the one to say, like, yes, like, sort of protect your loved ones, but also, like, go put some fucking defensive charms up in muggle neighborhoods. Like, that is not a message that's coming from very many other characters here. And Kingsley Shacklebolt, who is extremely powerful and, like, just a badass of a wizard, is like, we owe it to our neighbors who are not wizards, to, like, do what we can for them. I think that's beautiful. One of the most beautiful things that happens in this chapter is when they're like, go put up, like, anti-hex spells in muggle houses. What a what a spectacular act of solidarity. We need solidarity right now, and they need, you know, it's lovely. The code names are extremely obvious. We already talked about that a little bit, but come on, guys. <laughs> I also really like the exchange where Lee is like, what if your name was Rodent? And yeah, Fred is like, good. I'll kill you. <laughs> I'm going to be sword. Rapier. Isn't that a sword? Yeah, it's a sword. 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 Which is a word I apparently still can't say. Um, What do we think this technology is? Like, is this actual radio waves? What is this? I don't know. There's a password. I don't, you can't really encrypt radio waves. So this is like clearly something, I guess it's just magic radio. I don't know. But it's called the Wizard Wireless. 
But wizards don't need wires. Yeah, it's like, what do you... Well, because there's whole sections of Mr. Weasley being like, what's a plug? So it's like, why would you call it a wireless when you don't know what a wire is? Yeah. It's kind of like like the blood thing. Like, (laughs) this is just... I guess they've just picked this up from muggles. Literally the definition of a quibble. Why did you call it the wireless, you guys? Nothing is wired. What's a wire? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why we call it this. Uh, Maybe a... Maybe a Muggleborn like invented the Wizarding Wireless. I guess that's possible, yeah. And borrowed it from Muggle technology. Yeah. Well, that's a goofy thing to end on. Uh, except, I mean, we can just kind of reiterate that knowing you're not alone is one of the most potent ways of kind of keeping the faith and keeping hope alive. And Harry needed that right now. And it's it's a very beautiful scene to watch him sort of be his cup get kind of like refilled by this mm-hmm. community that he sort of forgot existed. And yeah, he's acknowledging the work of people like Lee and Kingsley because if they weren't out here, really on the front lines in ways that Harry hasn't been for most of this book, if they weren't out here doing this. Like, I guess it's not unsung. What's the word I'm looking for? If they weren't keeping this fire alive, Harry gets all the credit, but without, in the end, but without people like Kingsley and Lee Jordan keeping the fire lit, there'd be nobody to show up at the Battle of Hogwarts oh, at yeah. the end. Like, Somebody needs to put out Harry, the call. Yeah, Harry needs... Allies. Like, allies, people behind them. So, yeah. I had forgotten about the sort of small loveliness of this scene. Yeah. And it made me feel hopeful, kind of. Mm-hmm. I don't know, whatever. Literature gives us feelings. That is a dumb and obvious thing to say. But I felt a little bit of a spark when I read this. And I fucking love Lee Jordan. Mm-hmm. I just love Lee Jordan. Oh, the final thing I want to say is... Remus Lupin having the Romulus Lupin having the opportunity to tell Harry like you were right and I was wrong and I forgive and love you over the airwaves is also just really gentle and beautiful. It's like a sweet little moment. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. God bless radio. I was talking with a friend of mine a couple weeks ago, probably like the second to last time I was actually in a bar and we were just talking about podcasting and you know, the connections that we've formed with listeners and how it's a very intimate and powerful medium. And he uh, he said, wow, I guess technology, it sort of peaked in like the 1920s. Like we didn't, we haven't invented anything better in some ways. I mean, we invented a I mean, we've got better the way the for people. Cool. We can distribute our distribution channels. <laughs> but, you know, the basic thrust of being able to throw your voice out to the masses is just like, it's an amazing, incredible thing. But I'm also, really thankful for it. Okay. I I also like, let's just kind of acknowledge that there is some ableism in that because- Yes. Yeah. I've, that's been in the back of my mind, this whole conversation. There are certainly people that experience the same kind and depth of connection who don't use their ears to do that. So, you know, but yes, for me, voices in my ears are one of the sort of great comforts in my life. Okay, we gotta just have one last moment of of acknowledging Harry's profound dumbassery in the last moment of this chapter. 
like just it's like don't fucking say the name it's just his hubris being like i'm gonna say whatever i want um yeah he's a full idiot in that particular moment it's not great who's your unsung hero my unsung heroes heroes are the witches and wizards who are casting protective spells over their muggle neighbors unbeknownst to them just to protect them that's the kind of solidarity and aid to the vulnerable that we all need to be thinking about right now. I thought that that's lovely. Yep. I'm going to give the same shout out. People making decisions that center those in need is extremely fucking important. And I hope we're all giving that some thought. Um, oh, you told me the sponsor is a surprise. I don't know what you're about to say. This week's episode is brought to you by the letter R. (laughs) You're right. I'm glad that was a surprise. Because all their code names are start with R. I don't know why. Like Romulus, Rapier, Rodent. Why why is that? I have no idea. I don't know. I think we could spend a long time delving into whether there's symbolism there. But let's If anybody has any theories, like, please. Send us a message. Let us know. I, I don't know why it's all R, what the significance is. The audiobooks that you heard are courtesy of Penguin Random House Audio. They are from Jim Dale's spectacular and really nice voice in your ear performance of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows. He does so many voices. It's a blast. You can rate, review, subscribe. Find us wherever you find podcasts. Walter is barking, so that might show up. Walter's our dog. Um, But, you know, times are weird. Find us on social media. At Quibbler Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Send us an e-owl if you would like. Quibblerpodcast at gmail.com. You know the drill. You can find us where you find us. Tell us how you are. Like, send us an e-owl about Harry Potter, which we all, which we love. But also, if you're just like, I don't know. Wellness like, check. Quibbler right? wellness check. Yeah, vibe checks, guys. And gals. And, sorry. Folks, vibe check. Folks. Folks, y'all. Um, let us know how you're doing. Let us know what's going on. Just check in. We, uh... We just adore you all and we wish you very, very well. Also, um, we're trying to figure out what our part is in being helpful right now. Um, so if there are organizations or efforts that you have seen or are a part of um, that feel important and feel like significant ways to make an impact on the fucking disaster that we currently live in, send them our way. We would love to explore the things that you all are passionate about, what you need, what your communities need. Um, So yeah, we'd love to see that. And next time we will be reading the chapter called Malfoy Manor. Yeah, that's that. Thanks, amigos. May I just add that while we here at Potterwatch applaud Hagrid's spirit, we would urge even the most devoted of Harry's supporters against following Hagrid's lead. Support Harry Potter parties are unwise in the present climate. Indeed they are, Romulus, said Lee. So, we suggest that you continue to show your devotion to the man with the lightning scar by listening to Potter Watch. Here's what else you need to know today. We regret to inform our listeners that the remains of Batilda Bagshot have been discovered in Godric's Hollow. The evidence is that she died several months ago. 
The Order of the Phoenix informs us that her body showed unmistakable signs of injuries inflicted by dark magic. That's it for the Daily. I'm Michael Barbaro. See you tomorrow.